there, I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Welcome everyone. It's great to be back in the studio today. I have a manly resident with me today. He's a a wonderful man that I've met through. You guessed it, I talk about this all the time, Bold and Beautiful Swim. And he's had a career that has spanned many, many decades working overseas. And not too long ago, he returned to Australia. And like many people who retire from their career, it can be really daunting as to what you're going to do next. And just the other day, Dorset, Dorset Sutton, who's with me, we had this chat about finding your passion and purpose or regeneration after retirement. Yeah, and he's found this passion. And and so today we've decided to record an interview about this because it's so important to share just what others uncover about life after retirement. So welcome, Dorset. Thank you, Karen. It's great to have you here today. Tell us about your career. Well, um, I did a marketing course at university and that led me to to join a company, Colgate Palmolive, which was absolutely a marvellous company because um, they gave opportunity for young people like myself at the time and they created uh, an, a work environment where if you worked hard and if you could get passionate about what you're doing, they could open the world up for you. And um, maybe unlike uh, others at the time, I was really open to the idea of working internationally. Mm-hmm. And that career spanned, ended up spanning uh, 34 years working six or seven locations, countries around the world, um, and it was just just absolutely amazing. It was a real uh, opportunity for me to, to grow, mm-hmm. to, to learn, to experience different cultures, different people, different ways of life. It enabled me to meet my dear wife, Jenny. Who's, who's here in the studio with us. Who's a lovely Malaysian woman, and uh, we met... And so it it was really um, an amazing experience. And I have to say, and I'd like to share with you, that I was an ordinary student and I failed various steps (laughs) along the way getting to university. However I got in, I don't know. Um, I even failed my first year there before I found marketing. Mm -hmm. And when I did find marketing, I found something... I became passionate about it. I was good at it. I didn't have to study textbooks and rote learning in order to get through. I failed year one, but I got the marketing medal in year four because I found something I liked. And it's all about belief. Mm -hmm. And I really believed that marketing could was interesting, it was exciting, and I could make a difference in that world. It's it's funny you say that because... um I'm not sure if you know, but I started my career as a teacher after many 
jobs, but I've, my first career was a teacher. And, you know, it is um, – belief is really important, belief in yourself and believing what you're doing is the right thing for you and the right thing for the people you're working for or serving. And uh, so, yeah, really important point that you raised then. And how exciting to work overseas. And so when you first started work, were you working in Australia? Yes, I started in Australia. In fact, I did eight or nine years um, in the marketing group here in Australia. And at that point, you kind of reach a, a limit as to where you can go within the Australian company. Mm -hmm. And you either pack up and look for another job, as many, many of the graduates did in those days, and pop off to Nestle or go to wherever they wanted to go, looking for um, uh, opportunities. But in my case, um, the opportunity was to go overseas or you leave because you're not going to be able to grow anymore. Yeah. And it's a big choice, but it's one if you make that commitment, you open up a whole new world of opportunity and... Uh, I look back and say, wow, I had 33, 34 years with the company overseas um, in my career and it's made a huge difference in my life. And you, you mentioned another very important word there, grow. To me, if you're not growing in a career or growing in your life, you, you're stagnating. Mm. And it's really important in a career to keep motivation and joy in what you're doing is to grow. Right. Well, that's um, something which I'm proud to say that company, which I joined, Colgate Palmolive, really had some terrific values in place. And those values enabled you to, wherever you worked with the company, South America, North America, Europe, all over Asia, to experience growth, to experience new experiences, to experience new cultures, um, but all under the banner of a global multinational that's looking for global success with marketing of products, mm -hmm. as you would if you stayed in Australia. But it was um, an absolute eye-opener to me that uh, there was this amazing world out there, the world, and you could be part of that. And I just found it was a wonderful marriage of the individual being wanting to contribute to the company and the company giving you the opportunity to grow challenges working in difficult markets, which I did, mm -hmm. we did. But the, the structure was there, the support was there, but you had to make the difference. You had to make the hard yards and you couldn't pack up halfway through and say, look, this is too hard, I want to go home. There was no home job to go to that you you would have been out on the yeah, on the street swimming you know? yeah. so um i think it was a good marriage of my personality type my expectations and a company that could couldn't fit with what i was looking for a couple of questions because i want to move on you know to our next phase of this interview but um the best learnings that you had through your career the most fulfilling moments. So let's talk about learnings and, and things you learnt and, and things that really fulfilled you. Well, I think the, um, the learning came from real experience working in different cultures and ensuring that you as the leader could bring people with you. So there wasn't just the Australian way, there wasn't just the English way, it wasn't just... You had to figure out how you could 
bring people with you. And I think I I learned through that humility that um, because you're the boss and you're the Caucasian, it doesn't make you any smarter or any better than um, the many wonderful people who are working around you who haven't had your opportunity to live and work abroad. And in that sense, I was challenged to really understand what it takes to motivate others and get through political turmoil. You're working in countries where mm. there may not be stability, there's political up, uh, uprisings. Um, I had the most challenging experience, I think, of my entire life when one of the expatriates, as it turned out, who was on my team in Malaysia, um, had his or his two sons and maid were murdered one evening while they were out for dinner. It was a normal thing to do for expatriates. You, you know, you leave the maid at home with the kids. And Malaysia, particularly a very safe, secure country with zero reputation for that sort of thing. But it happened. And you're the boss. You're the guy on the ground. Um, and you're having to deal with an absolute crisis, which involves police, you know, US embassy, dealing with New York thousands of miles, miles away who require their management people, uh, to keep everybody informed when sort of these sort of things happen. And I think what I learnt through that was the, the importance of strength and the importance of caring because um, my role there was to be the caring boss who could help that family through a traumatic crisis. It's one of those things that it's your worst nightmare. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, um, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a situation like that and to have to, you know, ha just keep a team together and help that family. Very, very sad. If I may, Karen, uh, there's one other experience which was equally as um, meaningful in our lives as, as we were together at that time was we were in Bangkok when the tsunami occurred. Ooh. December 04, and uh, that was dramatic in the sense that it came from nowhere. Thailand's not used to having tsunamis. A, a, a dramatic uh, tidal wave came through um, as it wiped out thousands of people, orphanages, young people. Even the king of Thailand's grandson was lost in the tsunami. And again, as the Colgate boss on the ground you had to learn to deal with a dramatic social event crisis and um, be compassionate, be caring, be practical, um, provide as much assistance as you can. Um, and we lived through that experience and a beautiful aftermath where the King of Thailand recognised what our company had done when we were able to mm. step in and really provide significant resources to help in the rehabilitation of Phuket because it was literally washed off the map. Yeah. And I have been to Phuket, Phuket recently because, well, before COVID, one of my good friends has moved from Bangkok to Phuket, so I know it quite well, and it was thriving again until, yeah. until recently, and COVID has closed most businesses there. And COVID again right now is... There's lockdowns from 10pm till 4 in the morning, mm -hmm. curfews. Um, it's not a good situation there. You know, I think a lot of people are really doing it very tough. 
Welcome back to 88.7, your community radio station. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen. Please go to Facebook and like the page Aging Fearlessly. Well, my guest in the studio today is Dorset Sutton, and we're doing a bit of a piece around regeneration in retirement. Dorset, we were just speaking about your learnings, fulfilling moments, and challenging moments within your career. Uh, When you came back to Australia, what were some of your biggest concerns? I think one way of describing it is... um what happens when you get a lifetime soap and toothpaste guy who's worked all around the world and had a great experience, wonderful um, learning and, and great, great, great experiences, when you come back and retire to Sydney, Australia, manly Sydney, with your lovely Malaysian wife, um, thinking that you can sail into retirement and it's all going to be beer and skittles. <laughs> and... The shock I got was that, um, you know, I, I I landed and I'd been so busy in my working career, I really didn't give time for hobbies. I don't think there really was time for hobbies. If you're living in other countries, you've got an opportunity to learn culture and people and travel and as well as the, you know, the business load, which was heavy. Um so I said to myself, well, what am I going to do after um, 30 years, you know, working here, there and everywhere? No hobbies, always too busy, uncertain which direction I, to which I should turn. And with it came insecurity, mm. frustration. And, you know, I had the choice between traditional opportunities, go and look for a board position or go and work, look for, you know, corporate work again, or whether I should do something entirely different. The question was, I didn't know what I should be doing, which was entirely different, that would give me the same kind of satisfaction and passion and uh, purpose that I'd had in my career. Um, I had tried charities. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll never forget we went out on Meals on Wheels and they're a wonderful organisation providing, you know, beautiful um, service to elderly people who can't prepare their meals but I found that wasn't quite me. So, you know, I backed away from that. What what are we going to do next? I'd done a lot of mentoring in my career because that's really the responsibility of leaders um, in an international company. Bring people with you, help them grow, mentor them. And I'd had a, a good success in that regard. I was considered one of the best mentors in the company. So I thought, well, what about we go out and start mentoring some young graduates around here? But... These young graduates, when I got back, I found their heads were in a different place. Yeah. Expectations entirely different and certainly weren't looking to or inspired by a guy who's spent 30 years overseas telling you how good it was. <laughs> so, you know, I, all of that led to... More you know, frustration? <laughs> more frustration. Nothing seemed to fit. I couldn't find the purpose. I couldn't. I couldn't find... Get passionate because I had, I, you know, I hadn't found it. So the way you might describe it was, I was lost in paradise. I was going to say, how would Jenny have described you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, she made a huge 
sacrifice to come with me all around the world and, you know, land in, back in our, you know, my hometown. Um, so she was sort of expecting me to get on with, you know, what I needed to do to get occupied and get busy. And, you know, another way I, I, I might describe myself was here I was, Big Joe, global corporate, and I needed to get right back down to earth and learn how to be Joe community, Joe mm-hmm. citizen. And that was the way I looked at it. I needed to come down and become humble, open, and get to know my community. And can I just add, get to know Joe Humble, citizen, Dorset Sutton, all over again. Yeah, absolutely. Because, Karen, if you can imagine, you know, you, you're in a corporate structure, you're working internationally, you've got help left, right and centre. We had help at home, house help, you know, and you have drivers. When you move from one country to the next, there was an army of help to make it as smooth as possible. But when you actually get back and you've plonked yourself into a house, fortunately it was, chose something lovely and manly, but you don't know a soul. And so part of that need to connect with my community in order to become part of the community, I said, I'm going to walk around the the village, Manly Village, and get to know every shop, every retailer, every coffee shop, and go in and just say, smile, my name's Dorset, and have a chit-chat. And I found that that was a way people would just tell you what they thought, g'day mate, how are you? And you do that a few times, you develop develop familiarity, you develop connectivity, and I began to feel I belonged and um, that led me to be more open to joining community forums and I was really fortunate that Candy Bingham, who's the head, who leads the Good for Manly organisation, uh, community forum in Manly, invited me to join in and that was my first and best opportunity in my life to become Joe Community mm. because that particular forum is focused on what's important to the community and the one marvellous achievement uh, I experienced through that participation and enjoyment was saving Manly Oval. Oh, right. <laughs> because that we were about to get a concrete car park yes. on top of a beautiful, iconic 115-year-old oval. oval. And yeah. that is where belief came back, Karen, because... If you, as a group, believe strongly and passionately enough about the right cause and you go about it the right way, you can get a good outcome. Yeah. And we had a huge win for the community. And that, again, reinforced for me the um, importance of uh, belief. And I, I might say there's a little anecdote, if I could share yeah, that. If sure. I could share that with you, Karen, give me permission to be a bit strange here. But in with my <laughs> Malaysian team... Way back in Malaysia, many years earlier, they always said to me, boss, which is Bahasa, Malay, for if you believe you can, you can. Mm. And that was a marvellous motivation for me in those circumstances way back when in Asia. And I um, experienced that in the community engagement that I, I began to get active in. Yep. Right here in Manly, so that was um, for me. That was that was great. I um, I joined the Manly Library Board of Trustees, 
uh, we're not exactly with a pedigree background for that particular role, but um, enjoyed it. We had a few events to bring some uh, people into the library, which was, uh, which was really fun. And those sort of things that I began to do in the community gave me purpose. And if you know me, as you, I think you do quite well from we've met many times during the swim, if you find there's a purpose, I can become passionate. And when I become passionate about something, I can be effective and I can seek enjoyment, give enjoyment. And I just think purpose and passion is a vital key to Yeah. Well, some people call it the why. Why are you doing something? The purpose, the passion. What are you getting out of it? You know, I love, you know, some of the things you've said today, you probably came back to Australia financially prepared, but not with a social plan. And a lot of people go into retirement thinking, great, I'm going to retire, but they haven't got a plan. Mm. And they get there and they step over that line into retirement and then it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And, you know, I admire the fact that you used your time to go around and meet shop owners and businesses and just say hello because as social beings we have to connect. Mm. That's our, you know, it's one of our primary functions for survival. We need to be in a group, we need to be connected. So you're on the right path. So I wanted to talk about discovering the new world underwater that you, this new real passion after you've saved the oval, after you've done other things around the community that you've enjoyed, you and Jenny are now deeply underwater, in deep water. <laughs> so yeah, tell I, me I, about the deep water. It's a, it's a lovely story. Um, I think it was inspired by the Bold and Beautiful, the group, lovely swim group that you and I belong to. When Jenny said to me early on, she said, look at those people down there, they've got a pink cap on, they're, they're swimming every morning. You love swimming and I was feeling a bit lonely and a bit empty and a bit lost and she suggested I go down and join and of course when you do that you immediately embraced in that group and um, the harmony and, and the participation and the camaraderie that... Um, and the coffee. And the coffee and the <laughs> chit-chats about surf and ocean and waves and blue bottles but you swim over that beautiful marine park in Cabbage Tree Bay, which is a World Heritage Marine Park Top 10. And as we know, because we look at our blog every day, we see turtles, we see blue grapers, we see grey-nosed sharks, we see every species under the, under the sea. And that's where I, it triggered for me that this was where my passion was. I'd always loved the ocean. Um, uh, and here was an opportunity to... Um, take that a little further in terms of the inspiration, the therapy, the involvement. And when I coupled that with the um, kayaking, which I did on Sydney Harbour, Manly Cove, where you can also appreciate the beauty of the marine world and, and the, uh, the harbour and all the beautiful things you see there, um, and the daily walks you know, around the foreshores of you know North Harbour right up to North Head, Queenscliff, Manly, the whole lot... I realised that there was an opportunity for me right on our doorstep and why not see where it leads us in terms of next steps in our, um, in our retirement. Yep. Sounded like a good place to start. 
Yes. And, and, and that led to, um, I don't know, it's an interesting explanation how SIMS, the Sydney Institute of Marine Science, found us. They found us. We found them. We had some conversations. We had some coffee chit-chats. And once we sort of got through the getting to know each other and me explaining to them that, as I'm not a marine scientist, I don't have that background, so let's keep the, the words simple, not too many long no, words. And no jargon. <laughs> no jargon. And that led to them saying, look, would you like to partner with us in a project which they have, which was absolute top priority for them, which was regenerating marine uh, life, marine science life, specifically in Manly, Shelley, Cabbage Tree Bay, and Little Manly Cove and round into Manly Cove. Mm -hmm. And out of that conversation and um, courting, if you like, they helped us create a concept uh, that we called the Lim Sutton Initiative, Jenny Lim, Dorset Sutton Initiative, mm -hmm. working with SIMS, Sydney Institute of Marine Science, to help support financially the regeneration of marine life. And that seemed like a really good way to bring together all of those elements I mentioned a minute ago that were inspiring me, helping me find purpose um, and passion. Um, and so through that um, partnership and the initiative which we created, we adopted initially two beautiful projects. One is the Project Crayweed, mm -hmm. which replants crayweed, Karen. Yep. The the wagyu beef of sea of the seaweed world. Yes. It's top of the top drawer, full of nutrients. It was there originally, and in, gone in abundance. And sadly, it was lost through pollution, through boats, anchors, storms, divers, fishermen, all of those unfortunate situations, which destroyed the beautiful natural crayweed grass, which was in uh, Cabbage Tree Bay. And, and with it, the species which survived, which needed to survive based on crayweed grass. And which is? Abalone, oh. crayfish themselves. Yeah. And then lots of mini micro world uh, organisms and so yep. on. That feed the whole environment there. Correct. An ecosystem. Absolutely. That, that's that really what it was. So we had the opportunity. Sims had the absolute vision. They needed a philanthropic partner to mm. say, look, this is what we'd like to do with you. And I think my corporate background really came in to be helpful here because I, I can think strategically. I can think goals and timelines and... And help project manage. Project manage and KPIs, you know, looking for performance indicators and so on. And they liked that in as much that they... It was a way of engaging us all together. We could keep track of the projects and you could see the progress. Um, importantly to Jenny, as to me, the tangibility of the projects because you could see results. When we planted crayweed seeds in Cabbage Tree Bay, within three or four months there was already regeneration happening, seeds sprouting, and now we have quite a strong forest beginning to grow out there. Which is amazing and... Not only are you and Jenny involved, but there's many of your friends from the B&B &B that are involved. They have been absolutely 
amazing. And again, talk about community, the power of um, people working together with a common cause. The swimmers swim over that every day. And one of our dear friends, Lainey, a good friend of yours and mine, and Jen's, she she goes down with a camera every second day and takes pictures of what's going on. So she was feeding back to me real-life progress of the greyweed grass growth that I could forward on with my limited techni- technical <laughs> skills to um, SIMS, Sydney Institute of Marine Science, and they were just blown away by the fact that um, we had people down there who could show them what was going on. All Many of those swimmers volunteered their time to help plant the grass, the greyweed grass. So we had 12 or 15 devoted volunteers over three, four, five days who were helping the divers take the plates down with the plants, helping uh, do the segregation between males and females and getting everything right so that we could have a good environment for regeneration. So those lovely people in the swimming group, along with the Friends of Cabbage Tree Bay, which are Mm -hmm. just adjacent there, who protect the bay from all the uh, wrong elements, they um, were thrilled to be part of um, an effort to bring back the crayweed grass. And so from little things, big things grow. Um, And that's how it started. And as we've taken it to the community over the last, you know, 18 months, 24 months, wherever we've gone, we've found that the community has embraced us and said, thank you and we'd love to help and you're doing something we've always wanted to happen in Manly. And Karen, it, it culminated in this most magnificent festival. Mm, I, was just, I just wrote the Seaweed Festival on my notes here. And that was that came as a result of um, being fortunate enough to win a community grant from New South Wales government. So many projects were submitted to the government for... Uh, an opportunity to qualify for that grant. They were rated by the community, so it wasn't just a government uh, decision. And the community decided that Project Crayweed, Seaweed uh, Restoration, Regeneration was the best project, which was a buzz. Gives you a bit of a... It's a pinch-yourself moment, isn't it? Well, it was. Um, And I played a bit of a role there with our local government member who got right behind the project... And I think that's where my passion played a role at getting him over the line. James Griffin absolutely um, gave us full support. But community judged it. James enabled the grants through the state government and we got the money to stage a festival. And the concept behind the festival was to take marine regeneration back to the community. And way back when the council gave us the approval for the project, because believe it or not, you can't just plant crayweed grass in Cabbage Tree Bay without Department of Primary Industry uh, Council and various other uh, organisations to approve it. They said, you have got to demonstrate to us how you will take this project to the community. Mm. Also, the, the festival was part of that. Yes. Which there's been so much talk about in Manly. Everything from music and art, it was amazing. Nutrition. Yep, yep. Um, There were scientific talks. There were talks about impact of climate change, impact of how seaweed can be used as a um, an amazing resource in so many new industries. We talked to scientists and experts in that field. 
we did a, a painting class. Jenny was there painting seaweed, and you know, I'm getting the the joy of that. We were making seaweed pizzas and sourdough. Amazing what you can do with seaweed. So none of us are going to starve to death. Welcome back. You're listening to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. To find out more, go to the website rnb.org.au. My guest today in the studio is Dorset Sutton, and he has been a part of the planting of crayweed down in Cabbage Tree Bay and around Manly. It's a project um, that he has joined with his wife. They've they've, um, um, teamed up with the Sydney Institute of Marine Science, SIMS, and this is an amazing project that he's found after retirement. So, Dorset, what are some of the most fulfilling things that you've found with Jenny through the project? Um, Well, I think it's enabled me particularly to find something that I can um, contribute to and enjoy. And I think for Jenny, um, I, I can say that she has seen the beauty of uh, of the marine world and the importance of giving back to the environment um, and helping that ecosystem protection and marine life regeneration and for her she's always said to me she likes the tangible things that you can see happening we've, we, when we, with the Living Seawalls project which we have in the harbour we've seen instantly over one or two or three days marine life come back to these lovely habitat tiles we've put up on the on the mm. walls with the crayweed grass so i think it's it's just um it's been uh really beginning to learn what regeneration is all about and why it's important and perhaps most unsuspecting of all the people that we met through sims have been absolutely gorgeous people really professional personal engaging, we can all talk and share the same language, have a hug, enjoy a meal together, go to a, a talk on something and learn something that we certainly wouldn't, we wouldn't have known necessarily. And um, they've just been, they've put a nice element of friendship um, into our partnership mm. so that it's not just um, giving to the project and, and not seeing them again for a year, me particularly, I'm involved with them every week in conversations and discussion and coffee chats and reading material and attending events. It's it's just been terrific, Karen. That's it. It really is important, and I know for someone who's been as busy as you, uh, to find something that keeps you engaged and growing, yeah. learning is really important. Where to from here? Well, I think. Uh, the good news is it's it's um, it's all about keeping the partnership strong. So we've got uh, two very active projects at the moment: the the crayweed grass regeneration and the living sea walls, which are these lovely eco tiles attached to sea walls where we've got marine life regeneration. There's a new project which is just emerging now, which is called uh, Project Seahorse. I heard about this. Tell me more. 
Well, it's it's a Sims project, um, and they're also concerned about um, a particular species of seahorse which is becoming extinct, and it's the white belly seahorse. Was this around um, Clifton Gardens Way particularly? Yes. Ah, I did. I there was a a doco or something on it recently. Well, they've started a little test at um, at Clifton Gardens. What they have discovered there is there's too many predators um, and the conditions aren't particularly perfect for regenerating seahorses. As a complete surprise, pleasant surprise for us, where we live in Little Manly, right in front of us, we have Posidonia grass weed, which is the natural weed element seahorses need. Yep. Now, Karen, seahorses have been around for 25 million years. But this one particular breed has been becoming extinct because Posidonia grass, like crayweed grass, has also been attacked by various elements and it's, in, um, it's been uh, diminishing. And therefore, Sims project to restore Posidonia grass in the southern reef, which goes from the end of the barrier reef all the way around to Broome at the top of Australia on the other side, that's all historically where Posidonia grass was, that has been attacked and eroded. So Sims have a project, much like the crayweed, to plant Posidonia weed and with it they can... That's the natural environment for seahorses. Mm. And so if you can put the two together in the right place, we can regenerate seahorses. Now, as it turns out, Project Seahorse is a hotel. It's a cage and these cages get installed on the harbour floor in five or six metres of water. Um, and baby seahorses will be put in there in the next few weeks, very short time coming, and they will be safe from predators. Mm. And they can grow to full size over a couple of years and then be put into the Posidonia weed, which is around there, and be safe from Predators. It's amazing. What I did hear, there wasn't enough grass for them to hide and Correct. Know, yeah. That's it. Which sounds like another great project. And can I pat one of those seahorses? I'm only joking. I want to ask you for some advice. What advice would you give people who are going into retirement? Well, what I what I think really was important to me was to look outside my comfort box. Here I was, a soap and toothpaste guy um, with no marine science background, and yet somehow I found a way to connect uh, my passion with the real world out there, which was Sims doing this incredible research, and I found passion and I found uh, purpose. And then it, it, everything else seemed to fall into place. I didn't need to put a blue suit on and go and attend board meetings. I didn't need to do other things that I might not have wanted to do. I found something that I wanted to do. But, Karen, there were quite a few months and years between retiring and finding this. So there was, a, there was some humility, there was some, you know, learning, there was some uh, making some mistakes or, you know, realising that wasn't quite right for you. But if you can bring even your skills from the old world yep. into outside your comfort zone and try and learn some new skills along the way, maybe it's not a bad combination mm. to give you a bit of rejuvenation 
a bit of regeneration. Otherwise, I might have become stale uh, in the sense that I was hooked to my box and wanting to stay there and not prepared to step out. Yeah, and a lot of skills are able to be adapted in many different places where you work. You know, organisational skills, people skills, financial skills. They're things you can take anywhere. And then you, you can learn so many other things, like the knowledge that you need. You can learn about projects. You can... You know, you can have leaders that are leading each different area, and you, and that's what you've probably done. I think I think that's right. You've you've really hit the nail on the head there. There were others out there in that community forum work, um, and in the marine science work, and in one or two other areas that um, reached out to me as well. And then I've I found that I could contribute where they where they were looking for experience. And that's been a real plus because then you you genuinely feel like you're adding some value and then you learn some new skills along the way. And um, it's very, very rewarding. And uh, that that would be my advice. Just be prepared to keep your mind open and maybe not rush into it. I was going to say never underestimate yourself and what you can help with or bring to something else in the community. And I think... The community is a really good place to start. Mm. And just finding, you know, little friendships groups like the way you started out in the cafe but finding your tribe, the bold and beautiful, because when you find a tribe, whether they're cyclists or whether they're walkers or whether they're a coffee club or a book club, they don't have to be physically active. But if you've got common interests, that's where you start to build a tribe. And I think you've got to be open to having conversations with people you don't know. You know, you've got to turn up. I think turning up's a big thing. Correct. And as we both know from the swim group, all walks of life, all ages, all stages, people who are very, very happy and people who are not so happy who are sad, but we're all able to reach out to each other. And I think that's marvellous. And that is the motivation and that is what keeps it together. And you wouldn't have a swim group that's been together as long as it has 12 years or more that's um, so helpful to people in need. And we both know elderly people who are struggling and others who have been through cancer and, you know, terrible um, personal medical issues but there's always a bunch of women or men or uh, mm. both prepared to reach reach out and, and help. And I, I, I've benefited from that. It's, it's been fantastic. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, there's not one person down there that's part of that hasn't benefited in some way or helped someone else in another way. Yeah. I think just having a an ear to listen to someone and just be there to comfort them or, you know, share their pain or their joy or whatever it is, their birthday – they're all very, very important things, like sharing also Anzac Day and important events in our in Australia. Okay. I, my last question to you today is three words to describe how you're feeling in terms of your new found life and passion. Well, um, these are three words which I've um, developed and practised over the last 10 or 12 years which I think have really helped me through retirement, and that's focus on health, and that means walking, swimming, um, activity, being busy, um, being mobile, um, 
but certainly doing all all you can to enjoy the natural beauty here, which helps maintain good health. Seek happiness. Yep. Happiness to me is really important, and I found that through the groups that I've been connected with and uh, having a beautiful family. We haven't spoken so much in this interview about um, a lovely family in America, Jenny and my, uh, my daughter, uh, and two lovely grandchildren who are living in Columbus, Ohio, which we can't get to now because of the um, pandemic and so forth. That's very sad, but we have daily or three or four times a week FaceTimes, and the joy that it brings to Jenny and, and it passed on to me, seeing her happy with those lovely grandchildren, is um, creates happiness. But the word that sums it up most, I uh, asked me for three words. Number one, health. Number two, happiness. Find harmony. Ah. Because harmony ties everything together. It, whether it's the marine world, whether it's friendships, whether it's um, day-to-day engagement in the community, um, I think if we all can figure ways to create more harmony, we're going to be able to um, make a difference in the world in which we live. Well, Dorset Sutton, thank you very much for coming and sharing today. Uh, I do have my concerns about the world we live in these days and how we as humans have managed to ruin so much of our environment. And it is it scares me. For the future people, uh, future families, future kids, my, you know, my family's kids and whatever. And you just go, we've had a really good time of it, but we're starting to see the effects now. And I hope with many projects like your project and people in retirement can be of so much benefit to making things better. Mm. And... Well done, and thank you for sharing this today because I think it's really important to show people and to inspire people to really live a better life, especially through their retirement, because they deserve it. Thank you. It's been lovely talking to you, Karen. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright There's a sparkle in your eye It's not all nine to five It's a wonderful life Let's go and climb mountains high Swim across oceans wide This treasure that you've got to find, baby, don't be shy. Let's go and take that ride. Taste the sweet and
Let your heart be alive, baby. Just let your heart come alive, honey. Let your heart be alive. 